This is Double XL Shot Collars, conversations with hip hop's power players. I'm your host, Somia Krishnamurthy, your favorite rapper's favorite journalist. So I'm here with one of the biggest ANRs in hip hop, Lenny S, SVP of Rock Nation. Is that what they say? That is it. It's a very impressive title. Well, thank you very much. So I would never give myself that title. Yes, but. you're very humble. Um, I've known you for several years. And I think that's yes. one thing I've always seen, that you're very approachable. You're just, you know, a regular guy, despite the fact that, you know, you're doing big things. I try. Uh, you know, I try to make the best out of what I'm doing. And I love my job. So I guess that makes it easy. Absolutely. Right? Or easier than most. Absolutely. But, um, but thank you. Thank you for the uh, introduction and compliment. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so... You know, a lot of people know you obviously being at Rock Nation mm-hmm. um, as in an A&R capacity, but also in a management capacity. Correct. Working with people like Khaled, Fab. Um, and for those who don't know, just following you on Instagram, Kodak Lens. Like, I feel yes. that you're literally everywhere. Everywhere there's a party or an event, you are there. I try to be. Um, I think it's important, in, in especially in entertainment, in any biz, I think, you know, to be like grounded and to be like really really connected and in tune with, with what's going on in music and culture. I don't care if it's this, you know, what record is new or what dance is hot or, you know, what artists is rocking and where they're from or whatever the case may be. So in order to stay in tune and like, you know, connected, I have to like be out or one should be out. Absolutely. So you had a very kind of storied career in the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you grew up in New York. Yes, the Bronx, to be exact. The Bronx, to be exact. Created. Absolutely. Just in case you didn't know. Just in case you didn't know. Which avenue was that, Lenny? <laughs> Which avenue? <laughs> it's around, but I mean, I'm from the concourse, but I mean, you know. Okay, there you go. So growing up, was hip hop and the music industry something you always wanted to get into? Absolutely. Um, I knew from an early age, maybe 9, 10, 11, whatever the case was. I'm listening to Run DMC on the radio and I don't know, it captivated me like really, really like I heard the record or I saw the video and I just saw these guys and these like fedoras and like leather bombers with the jeans on and the Dita track jackets on with sneakers with no laces. And I just thought any, I thought everything about that was just like super ill, like super dope. And then the records, obviously they were making and rapping in general, just I don't know. I was drawn to it very early. I knew that's what I wanted to do. So a young Lenny, are you rapping? Were you a DJ, B-boy, <laughs> graffiti, any of those or just a fan? Great question. Um, all of the above. Definitely did a little bit, little bit of graffiti. Uh, what was your to, tag? Um, man, uh, Quicks for a while, Q-U-I-X. I okay. can't remember why, but whatever. Kind of reminds with, rhymes with tricks a little bit. Maybe it was that. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Quicks, um, what else? Definitely, you know, um, dancing, you know, I wasn't great at it, but I definitely tried. Definitely rapped. And then when I rap, um, I don't know, I think I was decent. I had gotten some, What was your stage name? Uh, it went on to Quicks as well. Okay. It went like from, yeah, yeah, from Graffiti Name to stage to that. But anyway, um... Now, hold the phone. Did you release any music as nah, Quicks? Nah, nah, I can't find go, any vinyl? Okay. Nah, 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 nah. Okay. Me and my man, uh, SynQ, which is my partner at the time, um, you know, whatever, little rap dreams. But um, the reason why I remember that distinctive, distinctively is because I gave myself like a choice, um, pretty much like I'm going to do this or I'm going to try to do this. And if I if we get some attention or we you know get picked up or whatever the case may be, 
boom, we got it. But I'm a, I was also taking on like internship and street team gigs or whatever the case, opportunities rather at the time. So I told myself, um, if something happens with this internship and or street team gig or whatever, if I land a job from it, then I'm going to do that. So my thing was whichever came first. And the funny part is like um, Mona Scott was a friend of mine from back in the day. Um, Mona had like got my demo and thought it was actually decent and gave it to Q-Tip and then Q-Tip thought it was decent. And we had like a conversation and he gave me some advice of what to fix and what to move around. And then maybe like a month or two later, I got uh, the bad boy opportunity for like a job. Wow. At, and then like a promo job. And I dropped like a, I'm, the promise I made to myself. I like, I kept it and I dropped everything me, music, rap related. I didn't want to be in an office um, and kind of like doing the office Half stuff acid. and then be like, hey, by the way, I rap too. Here's my, you know what I mean? I just, I don't know. Not to say that I don't want to not encourage anybody to do that. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I definitely didn't want to. And I wanted them to respect me in one light. And it's like this, whatever, eager, ambitious, hungry, you know, office intern slash street team member or whatever the case I was, whoever I was trying to be at the time. I just wanted to be in the music business. I think that's important because I know now with hip hop, it's like everyone has a side hustle, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to follow your passions, try different mm -hmm. things. But to your point, it's hard to give 100% if your mind is thinking about, okay, yeah. I got to go do that show. I have yeah. that interview. Being in the office is hard. Like to be both a company man or woman, mm -hmm. also building your brand. Sometimes those two things, they don't vibe together. Yeah. And I wanted people to take me serious for one thing. I didn't want them to think that the office gig or the street team, you know, opportunity, you know, I wasn't really serious about. And I was just doing that to get to give them my demo or whatever the case may be to get in the door. I just wanted to get in the door to make a mark in the music business and build from there and, you know, get whatever job I was suitable for that I, you know, had a passion for and kill that job. You know what I'm saying? And I just thought trying to pursue both wasn't smart. Well, it's funny. So you said Bad Boy Street Team. That was my first internship. No way. In the industry. Yep. I think you did Sean that. Prez, mm -hmm. Henrock. Yes. Um, oh, guys. So take me back. What were you doing? Was it putting up snipes? Were you standing outside like Absolutely. the club with the signs? All of the above. Okay. Uh, guy by the name of Super Mario uh, gave me and my friend Bert an opportunity. Uh, and Mario didn't really know me from much. He just knew me from seeing me outside, out and about, out in the, um, you know, at the industry parties or events or um, um, signings for artists at store, in-store signings and stuff like that. So... Being that he just saw me around, he gave me the opportunity. He was like, hey, I see you always out and about. Who do you work for? I was like, nobody really. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, well, I got an opportunity. I want you to definitely be a part of the team and brought us in. So I was doing all of the above. Um, what I can say is that I was good enough to be like on the like starting team Lineup. Of, yeah, <laughs> of like when, when it was time to travel. Like let's just say there were 20 of us. Obviously, if we were going to like Atlanta for a music conference, all 20 couldn't go. So whatever the six or seven or eight that could go, I was like a part of that team. So I love that and so grateful for that. And I got to travel to like New Orleans and Atlanta and, you know, all different kinds of places, which at the time you're young and uh, new to this. It's like amazing. You know what I'm saying? Going to these different cities and learning about the culture and the music that's going on there and, and just being able to be a part of like the conference that's going on, whether it was a panel with some music executives or a, a, a showcase of like new artists coming from, you know, 
whatever record company, you know? So, like, I was super grateful for that. But that's how I started. So, like, posters, stickers, uh, snipes, uh, poster boards, campaigning, and just letting everybody know what was going on at Bad Boy. What were some of the uh, priorities you were pushing back then? Um, the total project. Okay. Um, which Kima, I had, Keisha, and Pam or the first one? The first one. Okay. I, I, had, I had to fill maybe thousands of little so boxes. So this is like the of, Kissing of You total, era. Yeah. Yeah. Of little total boxes. Okay. Uh, one side with a cassette, the other side with cereal, with total cereal. So we had to stuff thousands and thousands of little uh, little cereal boxes. And it was super cool because remember- That's very we also creative. Did the Big Mac. Uh, we had the, the two cassettes on each side. One was big, um, big and small. One was uh, Craig Mac or whatever. So the total error, um, you know, total 112, all the stuff that was going on at the beginning, that's 96, 95, 96 era. Whatever that was. Did you get to work with Big at all directly? Uh, directly, no. I mean, definitely met him. Definitely was around him a few times. Um, was able to even catch some pictures one time, which, again, back then, super rare, super, I was super new. and But I always held my camera. And um, I actually got to catch him two different places. Him and Jay did a show one time together in Long Island where he was actually in the wheelchair. He had gotten uh, yeah. an accident yeah. with, with, with Lil C's or whatever in the truck. And then another time... Um, at the Dead President's video, he was a cameo in Jay-Z's video, Dead President's. And I got to get some pictures when they were sitting at the table playing uh, Monopoly with Real Money or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, yeah. So, again, I wasn't... I was, like, cooler, like, Mace and... Wow. And, and guys, guys like that who, like... I don't know. Mace is always, like, super cool and would, like, take a liking to the street team and would mess with us or whatever. So, like, uh, Total was always super cool. I actually found a letter, man. I got I to gotta tweet it or something. I found a letter that... So Total ended up seeing some of my photos. I just took pictures. I was only there for promotional <laughs> reasons only. Right, right. But of course I had my camera and I would take pictures at the shows. I got to go on tour with them. And I think Pam saw my pictures and was like, oh my God, this is so good. You should give us some copies. And me, I'm like, what? She liked my photos? So I like made them a bunch of copies for all three of them and wrote them a letter. And I kept a copy of the letter. And it literally was like, I'm going to tweet it. It was like, hey, Keisha Pant, like, uh, this is Lenny again from the street team, from the tour. Here are the pictures you guys requested. Um, if you ever need another photographer, I'm free. And I mean, I'm available and I'm free. I put, like, you can't <laughs> right. beat that. Like, I was just, you know, I was just super hyped that they even liked my photos. And, yeah. You know, and, um, yeah. Yeah. So you obviously see a lot of young people coming to the industry. Mm-hmm. How were you able to differentiate yourself back then where, you know, you're on the starting lineup of the street team, the artists now trust you, you get along with them. What did you do that really sort of enable that? Because that doesn't happen for a lot of people, especially first starting out. I think for me, um, I was super genuine, as I think that I still am. Um, super humble, super grateful. And all of those things, those little qualities, like they keep you super grounded, right? And they always keep you like just pretty much happy to be where you are and to be doing what you're doing. And, you know, obviously as long as you're for sure, obviously being compensated properly or, you know, being taken care of and not being like killed or disrespected or whatever the case, you know what I'm saying? I'm speaking from a happy place. Um, I think those are the ingredients to like the recipe to help you keep going and progressing in this business. Um, And I've always had the same mentality from when I was standing outside the door waiting for a meeting or the person inside the door to somebody was waiting on a meeting with me. You know what I mean? So I've never never let it get to my head. I've never let it make me feel more important 
than other people because of status or because of, you know, where I am on the totem pole, you know, now as opposed to then. So I always keep the same attitude and I've always um, remembered it as such, as like I said, the person waiting on that meeting outside the door, whether it was for 20 minutes or two hours, um, you know, kind of went in there uh, not feeling bitter or angry or, you know what I'm saying, resentful, um, or having resentment towards the people who I may have thought may have been treating me a little shady. You know what I'm saying? So um, I try to give as many people opportunities as I can because that's all I wanted. I remember that more than like the success stories and not in a bitter way. I remember all the people who told me no, all the people who told me can't. Um, And the reason why I stuck, not because they owed me anything, but because shit, 10 times out of 10, I was asking to work for free. So I was asking to work. I was asking to let me prove myself, let, let them let me prove myself to show you like, Hey, I can be somebody in this business or I can be an asset to your company or to your team or to your staff or whatever. And a lot of times it was like, damn, I could sell somebody no for free. When back then, I don't think the rate of like internship asking was like as much as now. I don't know. I feel like more people want to be in the business and want to be artists and want to be photographers and want to be, you know, than they did what 20 something years ago when mm-hmm. this was still looked at as like, okay, this could be something, but not, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's this idea that being able to have the opportunity and then also to let people make their mistakes. And I think that's something, especially when you're young and you're hungry, one kind of trend I've seen with everyone we've interviewed on this show, almost everyone has been fired from at least one job. And they say in retrospect, it was one of the best learning experiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when you're young, you take the failure, but it's how you deal with it, right? Yep. People will say no, people will close doors. If you let that fuck up your trajectory, it's over. And, you know, you and I on a daily basis to this day, we face rejection or you mm-hmm. pitch something, it doesn't go through, or at the last minute, a deal doesn't go through. True. It's how you deal in those moments, right? Everyone can be graceful and gracious and success, but how do you deal with things when they're not going your way? Right. Are you asking me or was that a statement? It was both. Okay. <laughs> no, it felt like a great statement. I was just agreeing with you. Um, you're right. It's um happens all the time. I mean, you know, some things I look at and I get upset and I remind myself, hey, we didn't really do it for that. Or I feel like recently, and everybody's gone through this, I'm sure, um, Khaled didn't get a Grammy nomination. Mm-hmm. And I remember just feeling like, what the fuck? Right. Like, it, again, nothing. Khaled was totally fine. He's happy. He's always grateful. He's happy. Everybody was happy. It's just like me for a second. I just was like, what? And he had a lot the? of big songs on that record. What? Yeah. We had big songs. Like, for me, it's like when you feel like you've done the work. And again, this is everybody has to work hard. Everybody gets nominated or not at times this is not anything towards Grammys or anything you know what I mean um because he got nominated the year before and we were super grateful for it but I just mean my, the point being you feel like you work so hard and you cover all grounds and you say hey well we did this and we did that and we covered radio and we covered the street and we covered the clubs and we covered the and he is the cutest stream, kid in life and we, we covered <laughs> everything like covered sales we covered radio play and it's like sometimes it's still not hey it's just not enough for whatever reason and you can't right give up or turn around or be bitter towards, you know, that organization or, or whatever the case may be. You, you know, do the same thing you did, if not stronger the next year and work harder and, you know, blessings will come and we're blessed beyond. So again, it's those things that make me be like, 
it's really counting and seeing your blessings on a whole scale that make you be like, man, this this one thing, or this two things, you know, these two things aren't gonna like it's not worth it. It's not worth letting it get to you, you know, when you have so many other great things going on. For sure. So you left Bad Boy. Tell me yep. about your next move. Uh the next move was directly to my next and last move. No. Well, kind of. Um, it was directly to Rockefeller. Uh basically um I had a friend of mine by the name of Ray Ray and Ray was our um he had helped us get some other promotional gigs um on the side because uh, I was doing street promotion and one of those was at um um Penalty Records I believe that's where Nori was okay Nori was signed Penalty if I'm not mistaken um anyway he had a, he had a deal at Penalty and we would go to him and we would do little promo stuff for him he'd pay us a little small stipend you know was helping us survive it was great we went to go pick up our check one day me and my friend Bert and he wasn't there and we were like not here like Sky owes us money what do you mean he's not here like <laughs> you know that was a big thing back then so um they said no it's he, still a big thing he, I, it, is. <laughs> <laughs> it is so they were like um I don't know he left he went to go work for this company Rockefeller Records so I'm like what like I'm already a big J fan I'm already a Rockefeller Records fan I'm already like trying to make my move towards there and um, now I have a real in. So basically, they owe you money. That's uh, a great <laughs> in. <laughs> well, he, yeah, not rock particularly, but the guy right. who went to work for them. So um, went there, and you know, long story short, he hooked us with an interview. We kind of got snubbed a little bit at first because the kind of like the rock, you know, they were CEOs. very insular, right? Like yeah, in the beginning, they, they it was were, like people they, they knew, yeah. friends and family, super, yeah, super intimate, like family business and. They kind of knew me from like the bad boy stuff. It was like, ah, we, we're okay for now. We don't need a bad boy, like street team person. We need our own brand new team who like wants to be here for us. And I was like, no, that's me. I really want to. So whatever. I ended up proving to them. Who did you interview with? Jay Damon Biggs. Whoa, the got, big three. <laughs> Thinking I'm going to meet him with some like. HR person. Goofy HR, like, not goofy, but like some like, you know, regular yeah. like office manager dude or I'm gonna get over on or woman or whatever do you remember any of the questions they asked you in that interview no it kind of ended quick because Jay Jay noticed me from the bad boy and he was and he was like nah 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 he's like we don't need this guy that's like like, the shortest interview of all time yeah it was like oh no 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 these guys they're probably spies they're probably right you're gonna take our secrets and send them back to total and I was like no I actually already quit and he was like nah nah we're cool it basically was like a yeah. I mean, Dame asked a few questions. It was nothing crazy, but it was basically like, a, now we're cool. I could tell it was over before I started. So you leave so, feeling obviously terrible because like this is like your dream. Curse, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I leave feeling like an asshole. So then what happened? Um, and then I just proved, uh, I just set out to prove myself that we were, you know, Rockefeller worthy. And I had my friend Ray Ray uh, let me know everywhere like Jay was going to be. And we just kind of like showed up to different events and we handed our product that we got from him that we weren't on payroll. We weren't down, but like they didn't have a street team anyway. So that's like brilliant. So you were basically gonna, their street team. Yeah. It was like nobody else was going to do it. And we'll, the product is just going to sit in the office. And then we gave stuff out. And so he just, you know, they kind of, kind of like, we're just like, all right, cool. Enough is enough. Like we get it. You want to be down. You're in. And um, I got in and never looked back and been with Jay for 21 years. Yeah, I think that's a great point, though, this idea of Mm -hmm. going out and being seen, right? Mm -hmm. Because in this industry, there's so much of a social aspect, whether it be listening sessions, parties, whatever. 
And I think for you just being there, for Jay and them to see you, it's like, wow, like not only does he know what's going on, but he's supporting our shit. And I think that's really important, you know, even to this day. Great point. Um, and for me back then, hey, maybe was, I didn't know any better. I don't like to sit here and think I came up with this genius plan of like, I'm going to go to every industry party and they're going to give me a job. Like it wasn't, basically I didn't have an education. I didn't have prior work history in the entertainment business. And I really didn't even know how to get in the entertainment business without an education or without a referral. You know what I mean? So for me, what was left, you know, doing music myself, learning about it, promoting it, uh, you know, um, witnessing it. And I just went any and everywhere that hip hop was going on. If I heard about a video being shot, I ran down to that video set. If I heard about a show happening, I bought tickets to every show. I still buy tickets to every show. I still don't wonder. I wonder why so many people are obsessed with free tickets. And it's like, I get it. If you can save money, save money. But like, I came up as a teenager buying tickets to every show. Even to this day, if like I don't know anybody really, really secure that works with the artist, or I have no problem going and buying a ticket to a show that I want to see. Like, I don't feel like I feel that way about like a Frank Ocean like, show. You know, like, like yeah, he's like, one of those artists. If I want to see him, it doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah. I'll just pay to go see I'll him, go. you know? But, yeah. um, but anyway, that was my thing. I just felt, let me be any and everywhere. I'll meet the people. I'll connect with people. I'll, you know, network you, you or whatever. Network yeah. with people. And um, they'll see my interest and they'll see my desire and my ambition. And hopefully that'll lead towards an internship. Uh, you know, a free gig or a, a, a job, if anything. So that was my plan. I think that holds true for today. I remember when I first started at the William Morris Agency, they're not in the hip hop, you know, mm -hmm. industry per se, but I would use that email to RSVP to every party, See? every event. It works. And, you know, I was like answering phones and getting coffee, but to be in a room with like guys like Lior and Kevin and Jay, it matters. And people do kind of remember, you yep. know, obviously how you kind of compose yourself in the room mm -hmm. matters you know um you're there yeah. to work but people kind of take notes so i think that's great advice especially for people coming up who, who want to be in this industry yeah. show up if you love hip-hop if you love this industry why aren't you at the shows why aren't you at the events you know so many people are like oh i've never seen blah 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 live and i'm like you don't really like music go to ticketmaster.com like, really i promise like you'll see them like and it's not people that's like mm. I don't know, like maybe somebody knew. Like it's it's not impossible for you have not to seen, you know, party next door live, right? Because right. you know it's still fairly new. Yeah, he might not have come around to your city. You might have been not there. Like I get that, but when you say like I've never seen Nas live before, <laughs> oh, I would love to. Like what? What? If you're 33, you know what I'm saying, and like Nas has been around for 20 years, like you, ne like no, you just don't like music. Nas not, is not, around. You're not, not around. Yeah, That's not the or not enough. So like. Again, but I think I'm it also super goes back into investing in yeah. yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Right. It's this idea that you show up with your time, you show up with your money sometimes, and yeah. it's really investing in yourself. You're right. And I mean, I don't, I, I couldn't see it any other way. I want to know what's going on. I want to see, I don't want to watch it on somebody's snap for 10 seconds, or I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to read it from a blogger. And all those things are cool, but like, if I'm in the business of developing, signing, you know, artists and, and, and helping them go from nothing to something and developing them from like, you know, straight off the block into the Grammys, you know what I'm saying? Like, I need to know what's out there and what's hot and what's not and what's popping and, 
you know, what's a mistake and what was a bad tour and what was bad production and what was a great opener. And if I see these people opening up and I'm like, oh my God, I think blah, blah, blah would be amazing to open up for Khaled on this tour. Like, I need to know all those things. I don't want to hear about them from people. I want to, so I just don't get when people aren't like in the mix. And I promise you, if I wasn't doing this, I wouldn't be in the mix. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in the, in the no, I, w- I wouldn't. If I worked at Walmart, UPS is, is hiring. Totally fine. Yeah. Like I do my job, do the best that I can. And I go home at five 30 and I'd be, and I wouldn't be in this shit, but if I'm in it, of course I'm going to be on. I don't care what age I am. If I'm in it, I'm going to be on social media because I need to be for my job. I'm going to know what's going on, what's dumb, what's funny, what's not, what's you know important, what should I be supporting, what shouldn't I, what rallies I should be at, what, you know what I mean? Like all these things are relative and matter. And it's like, as long as I'm in it, sounds kind of dumb, but like I'm in it. And when I'm not anymore, I'm done. Like I'm out. Don't find me creeping on IG and, I'm out. If I'm out of the entertainment business, I'm gone. Well, I think it's also not a job. It's a lifestyle. And if you don't love this lifestyle, that includes the politics, Mm -hmm. the fashion, the gossip, all of it, then you're not in it. And I think, you know, it's even if you work in this industry, you can be a nine to five person, but that's not how hip hop operates. Like if you Mm. go home at 501, that's a problem. Major. Major key. I got to... That was a major key right there. <laughs> Seriously. I go to offices sometimes and it's like they're cleared by 620. I'm like, must be nice. But. And, I, and I think, you know, that kind of differentiates people who have that passion, want to mm-hmm. go the distance, right? Yeah. Because you can't get, I mean, sometimes I get a little bit of FOMO if I'm somewhere and something's going on. But I mean, that just shows like my real passion for it. Like You should get FOMO. It's when yeah. you stop caring yeah. that that might be time to go. Thank Check you. out a different job. It made me feel good. Yeah. I think we all fit. We all experience it, right? Yeah. Like if you're not on Lenny's Instagram wondering where your Rock Nation brunch invite went, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's a problem, right? Because you you're should right. want to be in certain rooms. And again, I don't think it's about being a star fucker. It's mm-hmm. not about no. sort of, you know, building your Rolodex in mm-hmm. an inauthentic way. But these are our peers. These are yes. our colleagues. And you know, we've all been in rooms where one interaction can turn into business or turn into a professional relationship. I mean, that's how we do business. That's exactly how it happens. And every time I feel like, let me go to this event. And I'm like, oh, why did I come here? And then I end up meeting somebody or running into somebody that I kind of needed to. And that kind of helped secure this next, you know, deal or tour or whatever the case. The next bag. Yeah. There you go. So you're at Rockefeller now. Mm-hmm. You're in there. You get your jacket. I get my jacket. Chain? I do. I don't wear jewelry, so no chain. Okay, so you have your jacket. <laughs> of everything you worked on, what was like your favorite or highlight moment? Because I know there's a lot. Um, there's a lot, but probably... Um, the, it's a few things. The Hard Knock Life Tour, which is probably... I've been on a million tours. Probably the one of the best tours I've ever been on as far as just like all the artists that were on it, um, you know, the brotherhood that we were building and sisterhood that we were building between like the staff and the artists and everybody from Red Man to Method Man to like the newcomers like Beanie Siegel and Fabulous and Ja Rule and Memphis Bleak and, you know, to the, you know, OGs at the time or the guys, you know, like I said, DMX and Jay and Dame and, you know, it was just Swiss Beats on there as well. Like it was just so much good shit. 
Like, what do you attribute to that camaraderie, though? Because it just felt, even as a fan looking at a tour like that, that people just fucked with each other. It did, and that's what it was. There was like, I mean, look, there's always probably going to be a little ego, but I promise you, like, there really was no ego. Maybe everybody was taken care of. Maybe it didn't matter. Maybe everybody felt secure. So when people feel secure and they feel like they're getting, you know, what they deserve, um, I don't think there's much room for ego, right? Because, like, Jay and DMX were, like, swapping... It was debatable back then who was like the bigger sure. artist, right? So like they were swapping headline spots back then. Like which Jay, is big for a, an artist Jay to would do close that. Sometimes and X would close and, you know, Red and Meth, I, you know, from what I could tell, felt, looked great, amazing, felt great by being on it. Um, all the newcomers, I guess they felt like they were in heaven on a tour with, you know, like I said, everybody from Beanie Siegel to Fabulous to Ja Rule all starting their careers and then what is there a better place to start it or a better tour? You know what I mean? So like um, the staff, the great, like we would go on paintball trips during on days off, like we six flags. Like it wasn't really just like a, we're working together, you know, and I've been on a lot of tours. I felt like that. It's just like, I come out when I have to, I go back in my dressing room when I have to, I leave and I go back to my hotel. Don't want to have nothing to do with nobody. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know. It doesn't feel the same. So anyway, that was one, uh, two was, probably the making and the tour and the whole thing of the watch the throne project. Wow. Uh, just, I don't know, man, uh, two of my favorite artists, um, sitting, making an album together was to me. Those like, were the sessions at the Mercer. Yeah. Uh, Mercer, um, some in Paris in Paris, some in, um, it's called the Roxy now, but back then it was the, okay. uh, the Tribeca grand hotel. Mm -hmm. So that's where they started. It was too small. From Tribeca Grand moved over to the to the Mercer and like had like a whole floor, so it was like mad rooms adjacent, right? Adjacent to each other, right? Adjoining, adjoining. Mm -hmm. room, sorry, um, mad adjoining rooms. Mike Dean in one room, Dream in one room, writing Frank Ocean in one room, Jay, you know, laying vocals in one room, and it was just sick from the making of that to the tour, which was amazing, to the artwork by. Um, by Ricardo, like it's just everything about that project was like holy, she's like a real, real in life like art piece. Like, um, so yeah, there are many more I don't want to bore you with. So for Watch the Throne, what was sort of your role? Because obviously you're dealing with two major artists, and then even everyone as a supplementary cast is kind of a star in their own right. Like, so for you coming in, was it helping them with ideas? Was it just being an ear? Really, it was a part of uh, A&R, but I mean, I'll be honest with you, and I never like to take any kind of real credit for stuff that major. Um, it's Jay and Kanye, you know what I mean? Like, how do you really A&R them? You know what right. I mean? You're really just a support system. And myself, uh, Don C and uh, Boo, uh, were the three A&Rs mm -hmm. on that project. And, you know, when you have Mike Dean there on the side and you have Travis and you have Q-Tip and you have, you know, all these amazing creatives, no ID. And it's just, like just playing your position. Yeah, <laughs> man. I, I was just happy there to witness it, take photos, uh, get coffee when they needed, try to help get a track if they needed. Or what kind of coffee do Jay and Kanye <laughs> get? <laughs> I can't remember, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, just being a part of it in the process and giving a helping hand. And you know, there's going to be times where they really need help or support or something. And there's times where they just breeze through it and you're just there as a support system just in case. You know what I'm saying? And then you got to remember there's so much more with an album outside of the 
lyrics and the tracks and it's the administrative part and it's the legal part and it's clearing the songs and clearing the samples and finding, you know, who would be good for this track or as a guest or as a writer or as a, you know what I'm saying? So finding the dreams and the Frank Oceans and the, you know, everybody else who, you know, who, or anyone else who played a part. So it's a lot of moving pieces, but um, again, just happy I was there to help play a part from the A&R perspective. Were there any moments or records on that album that you really wanted that just didn't happen or didn't make it for whatever reason? Um, There was one record. I honestly can't remember the name. Gosh, I really can't remember the name. It was it had an Italian sample um, of like a really famous, uh, I think it was an Italian song, and we couldn't clear the record. Like an opera or something? Um, I believe so. Okay. And then I also don't want to give up too much in case they plan on doing something with it later. <laughs> sure. But definitely um, anybody who was there knows. And uh, and we couldn't clear it. It was super dope. Super, super dope. But um, yeah, that. And also that, like those like listening sessions, like because it was such a private, intimate space. So obviously only like friends were coming by. So like, you know, from like Maxwell coming by to like Zoe Kravitz to like, you know, just all these different super dope, creative, eclectic, like, you know, people and celebrities and like writers and and other music executives and coming in and like hearing this stuff early on and being so excited because I'm sure the feeling you got from the album obviously was there. Now imagine that feeling in the room listening to it when they played it for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like all those moments and Nas coming by and just... It was like a cultural moment. Oh, man. More so than just an album. Big time. Being at Rockefeller, mm -hmm. again, any artist you ever really wanted signed or like a beat you just wanted to go through that for whatever reason in your tenure just never happened? Um, Dan, there was some tracks. I mean, the tracks... The track thing happens often, though. And I don't really... <clears throat> I've never been the one to, like, say, oh, this artist didn't take this beat. They don't know any... They don't know it was hot or... Everything isn't for everybody. So, like, we've come across a lot of tracks um, that weren't used, you know what I'm saying? And we did the... Uh, you were there at the Rockefeller podcast that we did, the live podcast? Weren't you mm -hmm. there? Oh, yeah, I know sorry. what you're talking about, yeah. I'm sorry. But anyway, yeah, we did a live Rockefeller podcast, whatever. And during that podcast, we spoke about a lot of the tracks mm -hmm. that because Just was there, Guru was there, and we spoke about like how some things were in some hands at first, and like you know, oh boy, Bleak had, and then you know, Cam took it, and um, you know, just like I said, some people didn't use certain tracks, and you know, other artists said, hey, I kind of like this, so I think this is dope. Let me give it a shot. Let me try or let me use it. Um, did people ever fight over the same record? And if so, how did you kind of reconcile that? Um, not to say fight, but I mean, definitely. Or we both want it because yeah, it's so both, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that happened. They would end up just getting on the same, on the record together. Okay. So I think Jay and Beans had, um, on the way to the club. What was mm -hmm. that? What was the name of that record? the name of the record. But anyway, I think they both had that track and then they both were on it. It ended up okay. being, I think it ended up being Jay's single, right? Yeah. Um, super dope record and and Beans got on it. But, um, you know, it happens too. Producers are giving the tracks to the same people and, um, you know, people come across or samples as well. 
I've seen it happen with samples, not necessarily with me, but I mean, like I've seen other artists put out records and it's both the same sample and you're always wondering like, who got it how, first, yeah, right? Like how, yeah. Why did they both come out and why didn't somebody, but you know, it's all up for grabs. So yeah, you know, never know. Yeah. So I think so much has been talked about sort of with Rockefeller, obviously Jay and Dame parting ways and just kind of the aftermath. For you, what's one thing you want people to know about that label and just that unit that I think people either don't know or there are any misconceptions about? Um, I don't know. I can only give my opinion as far as how I feel. Obviously, I never really speak upon obviously nothing internal that happened then that, you know, and also being a, not my, I mean, I kind of feel like it's not my business sometimes. So like, you know, speak on their behalf as far as me and my behalf and rock. I mean, they made me everything I am today. The misconception is that it was like a, you know, I guess anything more real than like, you know, disagreements and growing apart and stuff like that. And all the natural things that, that, that can happen in, in any relationship, you know what I'm saying? But, um, I don't know. I think anybody that was from there, from that era, from that time would say like, we all learned a lot. We all, you know, got some of the best guidance that we could have ever gotten from Jay, Dame and Biggs. You know what I'm saying? And there is really no, it well, it feels like it was a very much a family vibe from everyone was. who worked there. And you know, some people have the best families in the world and then their parents split and or, or something. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean one out of two marriages is, ends in divorce. Yeah, so, yeah. It doesn't mean any one of them is better than yeah. the other. You know what I mean? Um, they just, you know, don't agree no any anymore and and that what was can't be anymore for whatever the reason. But um I don't have any regrets. I loved it from beginning to what it is now um you know and i just happened to have like a really close relationship with jay which you know what i'm saying um from being in the studio with him working in the studio working at the office going to the shows going to the, i just was very stayed very close to him and you know obviously loved what was going on and wanted to learn so much so but i mean shit i praise dame every day you know what i mean and biggs and love what biggs has been doing lately with everything with the with the rock 96 apparel and Man, he's killing it, and I'm, I'm there any moment I can to support. You know what I mean? And those three guys in the company they built made a lot of us and created a lot of stars, a lot of amazing executives, um, and people in general. You know? I think that directly goes into Rock Nation. Yeah. So for you, being at Rock Nation, talk a little bit about the nation that rocks. The nation that rocks. <laughs> Talk a little bit about why you wanted to continue on this path with Jay. Um, because that was a risk when he first announced Rock Nation. This idea, this management company that's since expanded into other areas, mm-hmm. whether it be touring, sports, yeah, title, full service entertainment company. Yeah, um, that could be kind of scary, right? Like coming from the label environment to take that leap. What really attracted you about the opportunity? Honestly. There's nothing I wouldn't follow Jay to yeah. or through, honestly. Yeah. I've literally said that to him and like nothing. There's nothing. I believed in him from the beginning when I knew nothing about him and I didn't know who he was as a man or as a character or as a boss or as a brother. And I just knew from what I saw on records or what I saw in concert or what I saw, you know, what I read in an article. You know what I mean? So 
to then become a part of the family and, you know, learn and, you know, directly from him and um, his, you know, ways of thinking and his models and his business plans and his artistry and just how ambitious and amazingly genius he is. I thought that already, or even before I knew it or confirmed it, I already thought it existed. So now imagine, imagine going through it and seeing it like in person, seeing these ideas he has come to fruition and like, but at its highest level, you're like, what? Like you just thought about this four years ago, but now it's like, not only did you do it, but then you did it on the biggest level, right? That it could be done. And with all of those, you know, experiences and reaching those accolades through the years, there's nothing that he could present that I would be like, oh, I don't know, fam. I don't know about this one. That's a good person to, to, to bet on for yeah, sure. Straight up. And if we lose, we lose together. But What do you sort of attribute to that? Because I think Jay really has not just created, but like rewrote the blueprint for what a rapper can do in this industry, right? This um, idea of being a businessman, but also being one of the most active rappers of his generation. Like, yeah. what do you kind of attribute to that? Like, he really kind of does everything. Yeah. And I, does I it mean, well. Does it the best. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess from the beginning, like I said, you know, some of these questions are hard to answer only because, like, it's really from... He'd have to answer that. But, I mean, from my perspective or what I think, his genius, his ambition, you know, just, again, I think when you set a certain bar... And from day one, it was like he was never a rapper. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He was a he was a businessman who made great deals and then did what he had to do, I feel, to kind of like, okay, this is what's going on, this rap thing. I'm a good rapper. I own a record company. Great it's rapper. Record for, right? <laughs> Not like, just a good rapper. I'm a, like, I'm one a, of the okay, best let me, rappers. Let me do this. Yeah. Let, me, let me show him I was done right. And it's yeah. like, but he, he came in the game a businessman. He yeah. came in the game as a partial owner of Rockefeller whatever business they had right whether it was the clothing or the liquor or the the apparel or the sneakers or the music he was a part owner so you kind of got to attribute some of that to like that way of thinking early on a lot of artists grow into it right a lot of artists after a few years after a few albums grow into oh I'm gonna executive produce my own album Mm -hmm. now 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 Mm -hmm. what did that from day one oh I'm gonna um Invest and get a clothing line going now. No, no, no. She did that from day one. Like all these things for me, again, outside looking in, even if I don't know him, it just looks like he knows how to do good business. He knows, you know, what, you know, you can get, let's just say, even in sports as a player or as an owner. You know what I mean? Like there's two different checks. He knows as a rapper or as an artist, I can get this if I'm rapping. I can get this if I'm writing. And then maybe that encouraged him to write for you know, Foxy and Dr. Dre and everybody he's written for. You know what I mean? So, like, this is with any artist. Like, you kind of have to attribute those things to, like, really good business-minded men or women who, like, early on see the benefits and, like, okay, I can get this if I'm doing film and television. If I'm a writer, I can get this if I'm an executive producer. I'm going to get this if I'm a creator. And, you know, you kind of just have to, like, weigh out on a scale, like, hey, these are all the positions involved and this is what you get for all of them. And if you're smart, right? You'll be the creator of the show. You'll be on the show. You'll be a writer as well. And you'll be an executive producer. You'll be Larry David or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, I think it's kind of that ultimate hustler mentality where you can be a worker or you can be the boss. And he always had that business acumen. And no matter what he does, it's always this idea of 
ownership yeah. and really investing, which yes. I think is important because I think a lot of times, you know, it's easy to, to support other brands. Why not own the brand that other people support? Mm-hmm. Oh. Another major key. Ah, you got a lot of keys today. A lot of keys. So speaking of keys, Khaled, you work with him in a management capacity. I do. And my bro. Khaled is someone we've known for years, mm-hmm. being on the radio, mm-hmm. being on those huge like anthemic group records. Talk a little bit about the decision to move into management, because that's a whole different beast compared to working at a label on the ANR side. Good question. Um, it kind of came, I mean, obviously when I was approached with it at the, at the job, um, and even before the job, I was approached with it by artists. Mm-hmm. And um, I would, artists or producers or what have you, writers. And I would always turn it down. Um, I turned it down firstly because being that I worked in A&R and I worked with developing, signing, acts, artists, writers, producers, right? I never wanted to be the guy, the person who was like biased towards the situation because I've, I managed them. So if I had this producer and now it's like, I'm trying to get these tracks and these albums and now I'm pushing it. Why am I pushing it? Am I pushing it because it's fire or am I pushing it because I get a commission? That right? 20%, yeah. And I never, ever, ever, ever in all the years wanted to be mistaken for that. That I guy. Want, I want people to know that when I'm pushing something, it's genuine. I don't want people to shrug their shoulders and be like, oh, he manages them. That's why. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. then you really kind of don't know, you know, whatever, how genuine it really is that you're pushing this talent. So um, so that was the first thing that stood out of it for years and years. And then it just came to a point where it was like, I'm not going to be an A&R forever. Um, not there's anything wrong with it. But I mean, you know what I mean? You have to evolve. You have to challenge like, yourself professionally. Yourself. Yeah. So um, people started asking me about management. And I was like, uh, I was a little scared at first. I'm not going to lie. I was a little intimidated. Like, I can't. Managing somebody is is taking care of their life. Like, in everything that's a part of it, whether it's their kid, whether, and I don't mean like watching their kid. No, I mean like, you have to be able to provide for this client, for this talent, in order for them to provide for everything they have going on, whether it's their businesses, their family, their, you know, anything, right? So, I was always like, no, I can't manage. I don't know how to manage. I just know how to make records. Like, And then people would be like, yeah, but you made this record for this person. You got this person on this tour. You helped this person get this branding deal. You were at every creative thing going on, whether it was the show, the video, the tour, the blah, blah, blah. And you pretty much work with them on a daily basis, you know, and are close to them and their family. And they just basically that is a manager. <laughs> named like all of the like qualities or all of the duties rather, I'm sorry, of a manager. And I was like, okay, now you put it that way. Right. So then I kind of just like, was like, all right, makes sense. And then, um, you know, the Rock Nation management thing was just right there. So just brought on like Fabulous and Khaled and, Mac Wiles and other people that we've had that, you know, I am doing these things and I am getting a branding deal and I am getting a touring situation and I am, you know, putting, hooking them up with the dopest, whatever stylist or the dope new artist or co-writer, whatever the case may be. So that's how I took that on. and was like, I don't need to be intimidated by this. I need to just acknowledge that I'm already doing it and now kill it. You know what I'm saying? And now do it at the best and the highest level and um that's how it happened 
I think a lot of times people think of manager, it seems very glamorous because that's the person mm. who's with the artist. You're in the studio. <laughs> that's the person who gets shouted out, who gets the new Bentley when the <laughs> artist gets the big check. <laughs> What's the most challenging part about being a manager, just in general? Um, the most challenging part about being a manager is being able to deliver 24 hours a day. You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to hear no, nobody wants to hear can't, nobody wants to hear won't be able to happen or probably can't happen. And right, you have to deliver. I always tell people, being a manager, there's good managers and there's bad managers, obviously, right? The bad managers are the ones who pretty much ride the wave. And when I say ride the wave, I mean, they pretty much handle everything that comes through the door, and which is great. That's actually a decent manager, not knocking those people. The good, the great manager is the one that creates all or most of those things before they even get to the door, before they even offer it at the door, or anything like that, right? Because you have to create opportunities, income, opportunities, you know, financial stability. Like you have to create all these things. And yeah, if your artist or your client rather is hot, yeah, you're going to get some good stuff to come through the door. But what happens when they're a little dry, when they're a little cold, or when they're it's not as hot or it's not, you know what I mean? So you have to be able to create those opportunities that they didn't have yesterday, that they didn't, you know, hit you up and say, hey, uh, I just met somebody from, you know, Nike. I'm going to give you their contact. Like, all that shit is easy. How about reaching out to Nike first and being like, this is my client. This is what they're doing. This is what they have going on. And this is why they'd be amazing to do something with you guys. What do you think? And then sometimes you'll get a no. And if you get a no, right, you're right where you started anyway. But if you get a, okay, that sounds interesting, let's talk, or we have this coming up. Hey, you know what? They could be really good for this. Like, that's how it happens. So, um, Or even if you get a no, how do you turn that no maybe yeah, into a future opportunity? Exactly, exactly. So the challenging part is just like, you know, staying on top of everything and really, really evolving and progressing with giving them and creating opportunity that they didn't have prior to you seeking it out. And I think also in hip hop, something I always see is the managers should never be bigger than the artist. And kind of this idea of oftentimes people behind the scenes wanting to be Correct. famous, wanting to sort of brand themselves. And I do think it's important to brand oneself, but I think we all know certain managers who are bigger than their roster. <laughs> Well, listen, you are correct. And um, it's for that reason I've turned down a lot of things. I don't know why. I don't seek anything. I don't go out. I don't go out and try to make myself uh, a talent, per se. Um, but a lot of opportunities have come through the door for me that, uh, for the most part, I deny or I yeah. turn down. Because I'm not trying to be that person. And also, I'm not trying to be bigger than my clients. You know what I'm saying? But, um, no, no, I think there's balance. I think if you want to be a full-time talent, a full-time star, and you're a manager, then maybe you should just have somebody manage you. Yeah. And and do that and not, you know, um, not compromise your clients with, you know, with uh, you trying to become a star. So that's a little, um, you know, I guess you take that on a case-by-case -case project, but it's not, it's not easy because sometimes people, like I said, they do or come to me for certain things or wanting to make me, I guess, bigger than I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm cool. Yeah. What about, yeah. What about this person? So is that yeah. like a what? Like a Lenny-esque like reality show or? <laughs> no, 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 no. And I've, even that, I've turned those things down for years. I just did the 
the show signed, you know, on um, that came on VH1. Because, again, the opportunity, I got to do it with two of my brothers, with The Dream and Rick Ross. And really, it was to put on other artists. So it's like, this is kind of like my job. Right. You know what Just I'm saying? a camera in the room. Yeah, just a camera. Like, literally, that's yeah. all. We didn't compromise who we really were. We didn't act different. We didn't humiliate or embarrass people just to the, for the sake mm-hmm. of telling. We didn't do anything but get some artists thrown in front of us who VH1 thought had the potential to be somebody and we kind of just chopped down you know who we thought was good and had potential and that's it and literally was what we do on the regular just on camera and that's the only reason i did it i've been offered 30 other shows that were more reality driven mm-hmm. and really had nothing half to do with of the it music. has shit to do with music right. or what i do i'm not doing that yeah a lot of throwing drinks at people yeah. things like that no, yeah never yeah so you've obviously worked with everyone is there anyone left on your bucket list? Artist, producer, songwriter? Um, yeah, there's a few. I mean, I never worked with Metro Boomin. Just like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Super, I can see I mean, that happening. Yeah, like, I don't know. You know, sometimes it's just, I don't know, like maybe because of what I have right now and like Khaled does a lot of his own tracks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like before where I had like five and six, seven artists that I'm working with, you know, at a time when I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get nav with metro you know what i mean right. like i don't I, i'm not in that situation now especially because i've been doing more management but um yeah there's definitely a few people like um who else um damn 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 i've kind of worked with everybody that i think that i wanted to though okay honestly I'm no not, like stevie wonder or any like of I those mean, artists I, they, janet jackson they've come i did i get to work i got to work with janet oh um uh, remember Kanye was on a record with her? That was me and Big John. Okay. Uh, I worked at Virgin for a year. Okay. Um, so Jay retired, like legit retired, and mm-hmm. was like, and Big John, uh, the big publisher mm-hmm. um, at the time, was doing, he was working at Virgin, and he was the head of black music for Virgin Records, and Jay legit took a break or whatever. He, um, he was on a beach for like six months, yeah. <laughs> he legit retired. That year, I worked with Big John at Virgin. So like I got to work with Lenny Kravitz. I have a Lenny Kravitz plaque. Whoa! Yeah, I did the uh, the J- the remix Just Blaze did, and Jay Z was on it. Okay. Um. So I got to work with Lenny Kravitz, Janet a little bit, um, Jin at the time, the, the rapper, rapper, the Asian on, rapper. Yeah, wow. Yeah, 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 that was on Rough Riders. Rough Riders had a deal. Yeah. With them at the time. Speak so, Chinese was that yeah, his record? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know I got to kind of explore out a little bit. Um. Uh, maybe Michael Jackson, but even then, nah, hip hop kind of handled that with Michael Jackson. Or something with Jay, but like hip hop kind of handled that. But I mean, at least I got to encounter with him when we brought him out for the blueprint. I got to take pictures of him and Jay. So like, maybe Michael. What was Michael like? Um, it was quick, but I mean, super cool, super nice, super polite. He's tall, right? Um, he was very tall. Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. But again, I didn't get to work with him in the capacity that I would have liked to, mm-hmm. but. Um, I remember that picture. I think it might be from Summer Jam, mm-hmm. where it's Jay and everyone, and Michael is standing there. Yeah. And it's just the funniest picture because Mike is like, what is going on? What is going on? I took that picture. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe that. And who else? Yeah, I've kind of worked with everybody that kind of... I mean, obviously, anything is prior to me that just couldn't happen. But, I mean, I wish I grew up in a different era. What era? 70s? Uh, Motown era. Okay. I wish I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would have Lenny um, S and the Marvelettes, stuff I like that. Hundred percent worked <laughs> and been on the road with the Marvelettes and 
the Supremes and Marvin and Stevie and just been in the room when Smokey and it's my favorite time. Yeah. And I wish, I really, really, really wish. I mean, I love what I've done yeah. here and now, but if it could have been any other time, Motown era, for sure. Sure. hundred percent. So with everything you've done, worked with Jay over 20 years, continue to get bigger and bigger. What keeps you motivated and inspired to stay in this game? Um, besides my kids keeps me motivated is, um, creating and developing, creating opportunities for people that are coming after me that want to do the same thing or just entertainment in any capacity and helping them get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and that's in any, I've, I can proudly say I've had a nice hand in like getting people jobs, right? And I don't mean that in the kind of way like, you owe me, I got you a job. I mean that like- Creating opportunities Creating for opportunities. People. I really want to see people win, right? And, yeah. I, and I think I have a good knack uh, for not just like, you know, working with talent and having great relationships. I think I have a good knack for, um, for, for finding talent that is not just an artist. It could be a photographer. It could be a director. It could be an employee. It could be an assistant. And I've I've done that a lot. Um, so human resources may be a little side hustle for you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, and I like to, I take pride in it, and I love it. And I just um, rate you know Ravy B. Raven. Mm-hmm. Sure, so like Raven is a good friend of mine. Great and photographer. I, amazing photographer, and I've been trying to help her. She's like for years was like, oh my god, I would love to just shoot for Jay. Please, just once. And I just saw a picture of Jay she took recently. In it, fact. it was the most difficult thing to try to get. Like, sometimes it's easy stuff with Jay, but then sometimes, you know, it's super busy. Fucking, he, has a, he has a couple things he's doing. Biggest guys in the world. But anyway, finally got her work to him and he ended up liking it. And then, like, long story short, she's on tour with him. That's shooting. amazing. She's on tour shooting Jay. Like, that doesn't That's happen. huge. So, like, I've done those kind of things a whole bunch of times, but it's like that shit. Giving opportunity, meeting people on Instagram mm. and like photographers and directors and and then giving them opportunity or creative, you know, directors and, and giving them opportunity to now like, you know, work on this album or work with this artist or, you know, different stuff like that. So like, that's one of the things, I don't know, I take pride in it and I really want to continue to do. Just got my man Carver, hooked him up with Ciroc and like, He's like doing his thing, working with French and Khaled, and you know what I'm saying. So like, random forward, yeah, paying it forward, man, any way that I can. Because again, that's all I wanted was a shot. Give me the shot, and I promise you, I'm not gonna let you down. And there's so many people out there that deserve that shot. I just want to give it to them. 